Well, a few years ago, I attended a, Christ, a Christian concert at the Rose Garden downtown with Shalene and some of our friends. It was an inspiring concert with a number of young Christian artists sharing the gospel message through music. One particular song that I resonated with was performed by Matthew West, a song written by him titled Forgiveness. Here are some of the lyrics and see if you can relate to them. Forgiveness, it's the hardest thing to give away and it's the last thing on your mind today. It always goes to those that don't deserve. It's the opposite of how you feel when the pain they cause is just too real. It takes everything you have just to say the word, forgiveness. It'll clear the bitterness away. It can even set a prisoner free. There is no end to what its power can do. So let it go and be amazed by what you see through eyes of grace. The prisoner that it really frees is you. Forgiveness. Not only did he write the song, but he also authored a small book titled Forgiveness. Matthew West describes these awkward moments growing up with his brother and his parents, encouraging them to hug and forgive each other. Now, can some of you relate to that? Our sons are in their 40s now, but I don't know how many times we had to reconcile them. Uh, I told them, one of these days you'll discover that your very best friend in the whole world is going to be your brother. (laughs) I don't don't believe that. So uh, Matthew uh, West shares, he says, Well, more often than not, we would find ourselves laughing at the sheer ridiculousness of seemingly an eternal hug. Somehow, our grudge gave way to forgiveness and the reminder that at the end of the day, we weren't enemies, we were brothers. Now that I'm an adult, I wish I could say that forgiveness has become less of a hurdle over which I stumble. But he says the opposite is true. I find forgiveness, both receiving forgiveness and giving forgiveness, goes against everything I think and feel and know to be fair and just and right. It just doesn't come naturally to me. Philip Yancey's words affirm that I am not the only one. Philip writes, I never find forgiveness easy and rarely do I find it completely satisfying. Nagging injustices remain and the wounds still cause pain. I have have to approach God again and again, yielding to him the residue of what I thought I had committed to him long ago. That's from his book, What's So Amazing About Grace. Let's bow our heads. Our triune God, please open our eyes today and clear, tune in our ears and soften our hearts as we open your word today. Grant us the teaching president, the teaching presence of the Holy Spirit so we can continue to learn how to walk in forgiveness in your grace. Amen. Well, um, Here's some key thoughts as we begin the topic of forgiveness. Forgiveness is a foundational principle of Christian living, yet one of the very things that holds many people in bondage today. Most are fine with the principle of forgiveness, but never truly execute its full meaning in their life. 
The absence of forgiveness in a person's life is a destructive bondage causing strife, division, depression, oppression, sickness, divorce, even damnation, and the list can continue. But what is, what is forgiveness? Well, here's one definition of the word forgiveness that I found. It's to grant free pardon, not conditional pardon, but free pardon, or remission of any offense or debt to give up all claim. So today, we'll focus on five keys to walking in forgiveness. Number one, forgiveness is a command, not a suggestion. Number two, there is no limit to forgiveness. Number three, unforgiveness holds us in bondage. Forgiveness is a volitional act. Number four. And number five, reconciliation is always the answer. So let's start with number one. Forgiveness is a command, not a suggestion. I'll be sharing uh, some scripture references on the screen. I invite you to jot these down for your future reflection, and we will be reading some scriptures as well. So turn with me, if you will, to our first key text that um, the Prado uh, brothers shared. It's Matthew 6, Matthew 6, 14 and 15. This is uh, Jesus' counsel to all of us. In fact, this section of chapter 6 is called the the Lord's Prayer. So in verse 14, here are Jesus' words. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Well, that's right after the Lord taught the disciples how to pray. And uh, one of the thoughts that come... uh, with this verse is that forgiveness is a, a spiritual principle. It's a way that we can lead our lives, but it's also a way that we can pray. God does not want us, does not want to talk to us. This is a hard one to think about. God does not want to talk to us until uh, we have reconciled our differences with one another. Did you get that out of that verse? I mean, it's a struggle to think that God does not want to talk to us, but he, but he says, uh, Uh, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. So it's a powerful message to each of us. So um, Proverbs 19.11, that reference reminds us that good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Basically, those words are saying if someone offends you, then we're counseled to look look over... uh, that offense by God's glory. Later in Proverbs, verse uh, 29 of chapter 24, the Holy Scripture teaches us that uh, do not say, I will do to him as he, done, as he has done to me. I will pay the man back for whatever he has done. Why do you think the Bible counsels us not to go that route? Because it gets back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Or it doesn't really end that uh, tumultuous relationship. So the counsel is uh, um, to not do that. So if you take a look at Colossians, Colossians 3, verses 12 and 13, Colossians 3, 12 and 13, the uh, Apostle Paul reminds us that uh, 
for each of us to put on then as God's chosen ones. Remember, God has chosen you. Okay, so put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, and bearing one another, uh, and, and, and bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against the other, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so that you also must forgive. So good counsel from the Apostle Paul how this forgiveness process works. So number one, forgiveness is not a command, it's a suggestion. Number two, this one was kind of amazing to me. There is no limit to forgiveness. So if you turn to your, uh, in your Bible to the second key text that's found in Matthew, Matthew 18, uh, beginning with verses uh, 21 and 22. These two verses, are we're going to carry on with the verses in this uh, chapter 2, but these two verses is the introduction to a parable Jesus uses to teach a lesson. It's the parable of the unforgiving servant. So here is the interaction before Jesus shares the parable. Chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? This is a lot, this is a big number for Peter to realize that that is, he's trying to give it his all. Notice what Jesus says in verse 22. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And some of you have heard this verse in other contexts as well. So is Jesus giving us a a number to count? How many times do we forgive somebody? It's not seven, so is it 77? Or in another verse, is it seven times seven? That would be 490, according to my high math uh, skills. <laughs> what is Jesus saying here? Endless. There's no limit to forgiveness. And uh, I think about this too, and how many times do I want to be forgiven? <laughs> Limitless times because I make mistakes all the time, right? So I, I, I would like forgiveness. I, would, I, I need forgiveness many times in my life. So here are a few more references for this uh, key um, to, uh, to walking in forgiveness. Uh, so 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5. 1 uh, Corinthians 13, verse 5. The message there is, love keeps no record of wrongs. So in other words, this is how many times George offended me. This is how many times uh, Mary offended me. And I'm keeping a list. Well... Bible says, love uh, keeps no record of wrongs. First Peter 4, verse 8, love covers what? A multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. We should learn to forgive as God forgives. How does God forgive? Many, many times uh, with mercy and his grace. He is, after all, the God of love. So Psalm 103, verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Is that a promise? Do I hear amen on that? I think there's another verse that talks about Jesus takes our sins and dumps them into the depths of the ocean. 
You remember that one? Well, I think about the... <laughs> a no fishing side. No scuba diving either. You're not to, to get on your tank and dive deeply and try to recover those sins. But I think about the uh, Marianas, Marianas Trench, I think, is in Pacific Ocean. That's about seven miles long, long, uh, deep. So there goes your sin, seven miles into the depths of the ocean. In other words, Jesus forgives and forgets, right? He deals with our uh, sins and then he... Uh, he gets rid of those. Well, so let's continue the five keys. Uh, one, forgiveness is a command, not a suggestion. Number two, there's no limit to forgiveness. Number three, uh, it is unforgiveness holds us in bondage. Find this interesting. Unforgiveness holds us in bondage. So let's continue in Matthew 18. Verses 23 to 25. I mean, sorry, 23 to 35. So here is the parable of the unforgiving servant. Chapter 18, Matthew, beginning with verse 23. Jesus spoke these words to teach us a lesson. So as we go through this parable here, ask yourself, Lord, what lessons are you teaching me today? Verse 23, Jesus said, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him, one servant was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Well, is that $100? Is that four quarters? What is that? Well, I look at my uh, note at the bottom of my Bible and it says, a talent was a monetary unit worth about 20 years' wages for a laborer. A laborer. So one talent represents 20 years of labor. Here I go trying to th- figure this out math-wise again. So 10,000 talents would be 10,000 times 20. Is that 200,000? 200,000 years of work. <laughs> That's a long time. And, uh, but Jesus is drawing us into the story by making a point. Here, this servant owed a bunch of money, and he couldn't pay it. Verse 25. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had, and payment to be made. Verse 26, so the servant fell to his knees, imploring the master, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Verse 27, and out of pity for him, the master of that servant, what did he do? He released him and forgave him the debt, that huge, huge debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Under denarii, I, I look, and it says a denarii is 20 days' worth of pay. We're talking a comparison, 200,000 years and 20 days. So here the servant uh, comes across one of his servants, and uh, that servant owed him 100 denarii. And uh, the servant seized him, and he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you. So how did this story end? Verse 30. 
The servant refused to forgive his servant and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported it to their master, all that had taken place. Verse 32, Then his master summoned him, the first servant, and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had the same mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Verse 34, And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt, which was probably a life sentence, considering that that was a very large debt. Then here's the lesson to the story. Jesus has parables, and he tells us the lesson to his story. Verse 35, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Wow. What is Jesus saying here in the parable? The parable is teaching us lots of things. But what is he saying here? Unforgiveness prevents the forgiveness from the Father. Let me say that again. Unforgiveness on our part uh, prevents the forgiveness from God. When, we, when we're forgiven a debt that we could never pay back, any debt to us is minuscule in comparison, yet we want to collect on it anyway. Two thoughts I had about this. <clears throat> I think it was Wednesday's lesson, the Sabbath school lesson Wednesday. It referenced Romans 6.23. It was talking about God's justice and God's mercy. So, Romans 6, 23, uh, the wages of sin is death. That's the justice part. But, uh, that continues uh, to say, but the free gift of God is everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I don't have the reference here, but is that it? So, here's the wages of sin is death. Then the mercy of God is that he provides us a way, a free gift of life eternal life that we could never pay back. So it also reminded me of a song that kind of went through my mind when I was looking at Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain and he washed it white as snow. What a gift of forgiveness that Jesus has done for us. Well, let's take a let, another look at verse 34. The first servant was delivered to the jailers. Now, do some of your versions say the torturers? Do you have that in your Bible? Okay. So that kind of raises the ante of the story. It's not just the jailers where they're going to keep him. They delivered him to the torturers. Unforgiveness opens up the door to physical and mental illness and demonic strongholds. It can limit or even cut off blessings in our life. That's how the effective unforgiveness is on our hearts. So remember in the key verse that the boys read what Matthew uh, 6, verse 14 and 15 said, we can block our own forgiveness if we do not forgive. We cannot be forgiven. Proverbs 28, verse 13, continuing with some uh, scripture references on uh, key, ver- uh, key number three, he who covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. So that that proverb is a teaching 
So if I'm trying to cover up my sins, the proverb says that you're not going to prosper with that. In fact, it's going to be devastating to you and others around you. But um, if I confess my sins and, and forsake, forsake, my, forsake my sins to, to put them away, uh, then we'll have mercy. And that mercy is only a gift that God can, for, uh, can give to us. So unforgiveness is a sin which blocks prosperity. I'm not talking about the money end of it. I'm talking about a life full and abundant, the abundant life that God is speaking with. <clears throat> Unforgiveness leaves us bitter and our hearts are hardened. <clears throat> Hebrews 12, 15 reminds us, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. <clears throat> key point here, when we do not forgive, we are the prisoner, like the song that he sang, uh, or that he wrote earlier. So, I'd like to share a short story if I think I have time. Um, Long time ago when I was growing up, I belonged to a Cub Scout group, which is like adventures, if you're familiar with Pathfinders. I was Cub Scouts, eight or nine years old. There's 12 boys. And 12 of us, uh, out of the 12 of us, five were Steves. I'm Steve M. There was another Steve M. There's a Steve J, a Steve K, and a Steve O. That's how they set us apart. It was Steve O's mother that was the den mother. So you can imagine when Steve O's mom said, Attention, I want your attention now, Steve. About five of us at least paid attention. And uh, so uh, we had fun growing up uh, together. But there was one Steve, Steve J, that uh, tormented me often. I was a big, big kid, and, uh, eight or nine years old, clumsy, and couldn't run a lick. Well, he knew that. Steve J knew that. So he would come up to me, and he would poke the necessary buttons, prod me on, and then he'd run away from me. And I was mad at him. So I ran after Steve for at least... 10 yards, <laughs> I collapsed, and Steve's another few yards ahead of me, just so that he could see me uh, lose that race again. And he did this through grade school and junior high. When we were in high school together, he figured out a way to push those buttons. Well, I struggled with that. I have to say, I, I did not want to forgive Steve for anything. Steve J was... Not on my forgiveness list. And it, unfortunately, I, well, I, unfortunately, like, I kept that in my heart. So at our seventh class reunion, because nobody organized a fifth, so we had a seventh, then we had a 14th, and then finally we got on track, <clears throat> so we had a 20th and 25th and 30th. So finally at the 30th high school reunion, 30 years after he de- tormented me, I I mustered up a little courage and I said, you know, Steve, remember when we were kids and this is what you do? And he goes, yeah, I remember. That was not very nice. And then he started to tell me that his life in his family was so conflicted. In the home that he was growing up, there was uh, alcoholism, there were strife between the parents, there was arguing and... and, uh, 
it, it just was not a, uh, I didn't know that. He lived down the street from me, but I didn't know that. So uh, I realized that I had focused my hurt on uh, how he treated me and had, had not even taken the opportunity to listen to what he said. So that 30th reunion, we had a nice conversation together. We uh, realized that we did care for each other. We uh, loved each other as brothers growing up. But that could have been handled at least 35 or 40 years before. And, and yet, um, I did not uh, let that go. So, Shalene uh, and I, we graduated in the same class together from Forest Grove High School. And uh, we are now celebrating our 50th class reunion this, uh, this June. Steve Jay will not be attending. He passed away some years ago. And uh, as well as some of our other classmates. But uh, that, that moment uh, kicked me back to the 30-year reunion. And I, and I said, Lord, thank you for putting it on my heart to connect with Steve. Because it's nothing that we should carry. And it gave Steve an opportunity to, to share. And really, we got a chance to know each other a lot better. So... Let's look at our five keys. Forgiveness is a a command, not a suggestion. There is no limit to forgiveness. Number three, unforgiveness holds us in bondage. And number four, uh, the fourth key of walking in forgiveness is forgiveness is a volitional act. Now, that's a vocabulary test for you today. What does volition mean? I, I, I didn't know that, but I looked it up, and it says... Uh, it's a, it's, it's a, dis, let me read it to you. Uh, volition, it's done of one's own will or choosing, deliberately decided or chosen. It is related to the use of one's will. So forgiveness is a decided, chosen action. That's what number four is saying. And uh, so, again, forgiveness is not necessarily just a feeling. There's a lot of feelings uh, associated with that, but... But really, forgiveness is a decision. And it's a continual decision that pops up in their life, whether it's past, present, or future things. And that uh, con- conscien- uh, conscious decision is one of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, not the flesh. And uh, it's God himself, the Holy Spirit, working in us and through us in order for us to truly forgive. So if we think we have to muster up our own courage to forgive one another and we just can't do it, we're right, we can't do it. But if we invite the Holy Spirit to manage that for us, he will open doors that we may have not even thought of. So God is reminding us here we must be able to see our offender, the person who is offending us, as a living spirit, not an enemy, not some challenge on your life, not just a speed bump on on your road to spare paradise, Uh, each time you look at another person's face, remember you are seeing the face of of a child of God and a creation of God. So uh, I've thought about that and I thought, okay, I don't remember that. It's not the person that I see, but I I see a a God's child and I'm a, a child of God too. So let the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, work through the process. So let's review. Forgiveness is not a command or a suggestion. There is no limit to forgiveness. Unforgiveness holds us in bondage. Forgiveness is a volitional act. And then number five, reconciliation is always the answer. 
I was looking for the answer to all this, and so it's on the fifth step. Face it, we cannot afford any areas of unforgiveness in our life. We must keep our conscience clear and keep ourselves reconciled to others. That's God's plan for us. Don't dwell on an issue. Don't have a Steve J experience. It's not worth it. Life is way too short for that. So let's turn over to Romans for a key verse in uh, step number five. Romans uh, chapter 12, verses 14 to 18. And uh, my Bible uh, titles this subgroup here in chapter 12 as these verses are marks of the true Christian. Verse 14. These, these almost sound like the Beatitudes when you look at them, but Paul is uh, giving this inspired uh, counsel to each of us. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And then 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live what? Live peaceably with all. Live peaceably with all. In closing, remember that our Heavenly Father longs for us to walk through this process of forgiveness with Him as He holds each of us close to His heart. So we are child of God. We're held close uh, to His heart like Jonah's song reminded us of. His arms are wide open for us. Each step is vital to healing. We tend to be too quick to jump back up after being knocked down to the ground by deep hurt. Too soon we're dusting ourselves off and proclaiming, I'm good, I'm fine. Really, I'm fine. (laughs) Is that true? No, no. well friends, that's not living, that's limping, in my opinion. (laughs) And that is nowhere near as good as as life can be if we take some time to place our deepest hurts in the hands of the healer. The tape can be erased. The message can be replaced. And our deepest wounds can heal, healed, really heal, by God's grace and by his power. Question, as we close, is there anyone in your life you need to forgive? Well, today I urge you to make a call or write a note. Reach out today. Reach out this week to that person. Don't wait. Ask God to help you forgive. Ask him to forgive you so that you are equipped to forgive others. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for the gift of your forgiveness through Jesus Christ, your son. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the power to forgive others in our lives. May we, each one, accept fully the ministry of forgiveness you have blessed us with. May our hearts and minds be transformed by your grace and your love. We ask for the Holy Spirit to lead us in our journey with you and our relationship with others. In Jesus' name, amen.